0: Thank you, Sundara. It's a pleasure to be here today to be able to share with you. And welcome to all of those who are joining us uh, online as well. I'd like to begin uh, this reading with this reading from Whispers from Eternity. Our topic today is uh, reason versus intuition. And this is the demand for the rising of the aurora of intuition. Master writes, Infinite Spirit, thy presence is hidden equally behind the warm rays of the sun and the cool light of the moon. Those lights, though welcome and wonderful, reveal only Mother Nature's splendor in matter. They reveal not thee. To me they are therefore darkness. Thy all-dwelling majestic and supreme light shines not on, but from within. The center of everything, therefore, creating no shadows. Shadows in this world reduce light itself to non-light. In theory, I have known this. Now, Lord, take all darkness away from me. Wherever I sit, with eyes shut, enclosed in my own darkness, cause to blaze upon me in glory the aurora of intuition that suffused in its light i may gaze raptly on thee with worshiping eyes now over the last few weeks on sunday service we've been uh, covering a number of to- topics. You might say putting a dichotomy, uh, this versus that. We've, I think I was writing them down. And we had, over the last few weeks, we had thinking versus understanding, dogmatism versus common sense, and today we have reason. Versus in, intuition, but all of those, except perhaps for dogmatism, all of those are necessary. We need the, we need the mind, we need understanding, we need the uh, reasoning power, we need feeling, we need the ego, we need the we need the uh, the intellect. All of these elements of being conscious are essential to our being able to function in this world, but the thing that holds them together you might say that brings them to a point that maybe like holds the reins of all of these elements is the intuition. And I know many people think of intuition in terms of we even use it in our language uh, uh, as feeling. I I feel this is the right thing to do. Well why do you feel that's the right thing to do? Well my intuition tells me and it's it's we use that more than we might say I think this is the right thing to do. And I think if you listen to common speech these days, people tend to say, I feel to do this rather than I think to do this. Now, one reason you say I feel to do this is you can't argue with that. Everybody says, (laughs) you can't argue with another person's feelings. But if they think, you could say, wait a minute, (laughs) that doesn't make sense. And so consequently, we say, well, I feel this, and then we know you're not going to get that feedback. And we know, we know, too, that actually if you think about this, that you might say, because we're, in a sense, we're trying to say, I'm, I'm doing this, I'm this, these inner feelings that come within, and we think of intuition as that feeling, but we know that that's not really what feeling is about. But yes, feeling does come as a feeling. I I have this sense of feeling. It's sort of like a haunting feeling that I just know this is right. And it's master-defined. Intuition is that direct perception of reality without the intermediary of the mind or the senses. So you just know truth. And yes, that comes as a feeling, but it also, intuition is, there's intuition of the feeling. And there's also of the heart, you might say, and there's also intuition of the head, the reason, that too. And they must be, as Master would say in his teachings, we have to keep those two in balance. But particularly with intuition, people tend to want to claim that intuition. I feel this is to be so. And Master gives a story illustrating that uh, in his early lessons. He would he say he was visiting with a farmer out on his farm and the, he was sitting at the dinner table with the farmer in, in the dining room there and the farmer was talking about how he had a pretty good intuition he could he could sense things because they were talking about spiritual subjects and the, so the farmer was making some claims and there was a knock on the door and the fellow says the farmer says oh you know that, that's my, that's my uncle He's coming, he's coming over to visit me, and how do you know that? Well, I just feel it. My intuition tells me. And the farmer goes to the door, and sure enough, there's the uncle. He comes on in, and, there, and he joins the conversation. And the farmer was quite proud of himself. And a little bit of uh, time goes by, and there's another. It starts to rain outside. It's really, really pouring down. And there's another knock on the door, banging on the door this time. And uh, the man says, oh. That's my brother. Or did I get the first one with the brother? <laughs> he says, no, the uncle, then the brother. He says, that's my brother. And so the fellow says, let's go to the door and greet him. And Master says, no, 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 I'm not going near the door. You go. And he goes to the door and opens the door and in rushes the farmer's bull into the, into the living room. And Master, they're running around, running around and says, ah, here's your brother. <laughs> So, you can see what your intuition is giving you. Well, it's kind of like that. I don't, maybe, Master, I think you might have embellished that story a little bit. But nevertheless, the idea that sometimes we have to be careful because when we say, I feel this to be so, is it really our intuition? Now, Master said we should exercise our intuition, we should make it strong. Start gently and see and see if you can, and a little later, I'll give you some, a little technique that Master said so that we can improve our intuition. But we want to increase that intuition and make it something that we can rely on and we can count upon. But yet, we have to distinguish it from what it's not. And like we often say, it's that feeling. And we tend to say, well, I go by feeling in life. I don't go so much by the head. And okay, so many people are like that. And I saw a picture, a a big poster once. I I can't remember where, but I saw the poster, and it was a poster of uh, Princess uh, Di, Diana, you know, Diana. And uh, there's a, as they are often, there's a saying on there uh, I live only by what my heart tells me. I do only what my heart tells me. And as you look at that and you read that, that's a nice saying. I do only what my heart tells me. But if you think about it a little bit, really? You really just do what your heart tells you to do? Because the heart by itself is not necessarily the best guide. Yes, we do want to use our heart, but yet there's a saying. And I think this is a saying that we want to sort of emblaze in our mind and remember. The mind or the head, the brain follows the heart. And what you think, when you have a you have something, you feel something, you can find all the reasons why it's true. This is what I should do. I really, really should do this. And when you don't want to do something, it could be an hour later, you'll find all the reasons why it's not good. You can't you can't rely on it. Now, it reminded me as I was preparing Sunday service you know, with this thought, head versus heart, I remembered an old song. I was going to ask the singers to sing it maybe, but I don't think you'll find this song would be your, <laughs> kind of what you'd want to sing. But uh, I'd like to just sort of give you a little taste of this song, because it, it illustrates this point. and. This was a country western song, you see. <laughs> and you know, if, you're, if you've ever been a fan of country western, it's, it's kind of the themes of country western are she done me wrong or, you know, cheating heart or a little bit of loneliness. There's sort of that, that to it. And this, this was, I believe, this was when I was young in college age, I think in the early 70s, maybe around there. And it kind of goes like this, even though I love you, I can't call you mine. So we'll love each other a little at a time. (laughs) Now, I should say, with that preface, she's singing these are two, her and her lover, are cheating. They are a cheating. Uh, They are a cheating on their husband and wife. And she's singing this song. So, So we'll love each other a little at a time so kiss me once more then i'll say good night how can now how can this be so wrong when it feels so right (laughs) how can this be wrong when it feels so right now ain't that a truth (laughs) (laughs) And that's where we get ourselves into all sorts of trouble. And what is needed here? You know, we need them. I mean, we need reason. And we need that loving feeling. We got that loving feeling. We need that. Well, we also need something besides all that. We need it's in a sense, particularly when we're talking about guidance. We need to be guided in what we do, you see. And that's what intuition is. Intuition is that guidance, that, you might say, the reins. That, uh, and that brings the others into balance. We have to be balanced in what we do. We have to be balanced, and our heart needs to be balanced. We have intuitive heart feelings, and we also have intuitive mental feelings. We have intuitive reason. You know, the, I had once read about Albert Einstein, who when he um, perceived, that's the right word, when he perceived his general theory of relativity, he was walking out in in nature, and he perceived it. He saw it, you might say, in his mind. He knew it, but he could not express it. But he he perceived it. And that's what intuition is. It's a divine, it's a perception, superconscious perception, and then, but yet it wasn't enough for him to simply perceive that theory of relativity. He had to express it. He had to bring it into the reason. And it took him eight years to be able to draw that down, that divine perception. But he did. He finally put it into mathematics, the language of science. He had help in doing that. And But yet it started with a divine perception, or super conscious, let's say a superconscious perception. So we have to have reason guiding us in what we do, with what we do in outwardly. It guides our mind, it guides our reason, it guides our feeling, and it guides all aspects. And we have to cultivate that and bring those into harmony. We bring them into harmony. And this is how, how do we do that? There's an element, now one multiple elements, one thing that Swamiji said, and Master said to this as well, is we have to have common sense. You have to have common sense, and we need to test our intuition as we're beginning to develop it and this brings us to that story you know the fellow who came to master in the hotel room claiming to have all sorts of various powers and to be able to perceive and to do this and do that and how he could even close his eyes he could astrally travel and he could see things from afar had these paranormal abilities and master was a little bit suspicious he did not want to dissuade him, but yet he wanted to give a dose of reality, perhaps, to him because he saw that he was off, like the farmer with the bull. And so he asked the man to describe and so the, what he was experiencing. He went into a meditative state, and he began to, in his words, began to ask travel. And he asked, and Master asked him, he says, well, where are you now, sir? And the man in a very you know, lofty voice says, I'm sitting atop the dome of the Taj Mahal. And Master says, well, I, sir, I think there's something wrong with your dome. I see you sitting right here in front of me. And the man opened his eyes. And he still swore that his intuition was correct, that he could, he could from his astral projections, his astral travel, he could see divine sight and so what master did was test him you see if we can't test our intuition doesn't mean it's wrong doesn't mean it's wrong but to claim action and especially action that involves others based upon intuition that you don't have any experience of objectification now if you're a master that's one thing but in you might say from our level he said it's not it's not the right thing to do so he tested him he says well let's take a test and he said down in this in the lobby of this hotel there's a there's a restaurant i'd like you to describe to me with your divine sight what do you see in the restaurant. What do you see in the lobby? And the man said, well, I see there's this, that, and another thing in the lobby. And then you go into the restaurant. And there's a fellow over there and the table over there. Certain people are over there. And then the pastor says, OK, let me describe what I see. And he described something very different. Now they said, now let's go. And they went down. And of course, which one do you suppose was right? <laughs> it was not like the fellow saw at all. And he saw, but it was very much like what Master described. And the man, at the, he said at that time, as Master said, the man woke up to the fact that his in so-called intuitive power was merely a bit of subconscious projection. It wasn't that at all. But yet the fact remains that that power exists. And it is in all of us, but it's latent. Although all of, it's not completely latent because all of us have those perceptions at some time, but we don't have the experience to be able to separate, you might say, the wheat from the chaff. But this is something we should do, is to be able to develop that. And one of the very best ways to develop that is, of course, through meditation. We learn to meditate, and particularly, Master explained, in that calm after state of meditation. He says, sit in that, st- that silent still after state of meditation. And I wanted to, so I didn't um, get it incorrect. I'd like to just read the points of how Master says it. He says, first, go into deep meditation. Don't think of your problems during meditation. Meditate until you feel that a sense of calmness feels the inner recesses of your body, and your breath becomes calm and quiet. So here we've meditated. Now, we've our tension is one-pointed, but now we've reached the state of inner calmness of breath and mind. The breath is important here because when the breath is restless, of course, the mind will be restless. Then, concentrate simultaneously at the point between the eyebrows and the heart. Ask God to direct your intuition so that you may know that you should do what you should do about your problem. Sit for a long time after your techniques, holding on to the after effects of meditation, enjoying that stillness and calm. Then he did say also in another context, after Kriya, sit and listen to the inner sounds and or practice honks on the spine and practice deep devotion. Now, there's an element in there I want to highlight when we, particularly when it comes to the topic of intuition, and it's the element of calmness. We cannot develop the intuition without the element of calmness. And you could, might say the calm, if just as a lake or the sea, when the waves are restless, we can't uh, get a, a clear reflection in that lake or in that sea we have to be able to bring about the calmness of the waves of mental activity calmness of the waves of feeling calmness of the waves of likes and dislikes and in that calmness then we can see the pure reflection we can get that pure perception of the divine so if calmness is the essential ingredient here is to bring about that calmness of mind of state and particularly calmness of the heart, those likes and dislikes of the heart. The intermediate, you could say that calmness is the intermediary between the heart and the head. And think of it in yogic terms. The quality of the heart is that feeling quality, right? Quality of the head is the intellect, the reasoning. And in between them, The chakra at the heart, the chakra at the point between the the medulla point between the eyebrows. The The chakra between them is the throat. And the throat, the quality that is enhanced at the throat is the quality of calmness. Calmness is in between those two. So the feelings of the heart lifted up to the spiritual eye pass through in an energetic sense, pass through the center of calmness. And those ideas of the mind and the reasoning that are brought down through the center of calmness into a feeling of how does it feel also pass through that element of calmness here. So those three have to work in balance. And you could say the fulcrum point between heart and head, reason and feeling is the fulcrum, is calmness. That, that is the center point between those. And so we develop that by stilling those waves that are those, those up and down elements that keep us agitated. And as long as there's agitation, our intuition will never be able to be clear. And it'll always be, you might say, something of a mixture. So we need to bring those. So it's not so much reason balancing intuition. It's intuition guiding reason and also guiding feeling now i'd like to share a little reading that i was uh, uh, at the, during the kriya weekend it sort of applies to this 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 necessity to develop the element of the calmness stillness and this during the kriya weekend i did a class on um, was well, a question and answer class. And I ended up, of course, this question and answer book of, uh, of Kriya. And there was a wonderful question in there that I saw. It was in the process of answering questions, I ended up running across this one. And this is Swami saying about Kriya. When you have control over the inner reactive process, You become master of your destiny. Now, that inner reactive process, what is that? The likes and dislikes. I like it, I don't like it. That approach to everything that's coming in the mind, coming into the the intellect, isn't it so that when we look at something and some little part of our mind is forming a judgment about it? Not what it is, but whether I like it or not oh why is he walking like that or who's that you know why? there's little just sort of we color it you could say the intellect is sort of black and white the chitta, that feeling gives it color you know oh, it's depth how do we feel about it well anyway he says that reactive process of course overcoming this becoming a master of that requires a high degree of evolution But the more you practice Kriya, the more things happen in your life the way you want them to happen. You see, people think that if I want something, that's just a desire. But it's not necessarily a desire. To want something from a pure, calm inner center, I've overcome, let's say, the reactive process. To want something to happen, it happens because you put yourself more into attunement with that. So it says, uh, things happen in your life the way you want them to happen. And this is the beautiful part. The more you practice Kriya, the more you want what God wants. And God wants what you want. You see, this is one, because we're always asking, aren't we? Give me guidance. I'm pray for guidance. Show me what to do. Re-overcome that reactive process so the lake of our mind becomes still. Intuition flower, flowers within us, and we feel ourselves in that flow. So what we want is in tune with divine will. It's grace. We live in a state of grace when we get to that point. There is no clear dividing line anymore between God's will and your own. You are working together, and it has become one flow. When you're centered in your spine, thoughts arise in your mind and then naturally seem to manifest themselves. Kriya is a marvelous technique on all levels. They manifest themselves when we get to that point. And as he says, it becomes of life, becomes a flow. I think it's that word flow is a nice way to look at living life as a flow. As a, and if you think of, you know, I heard one Swami once say, maybe you heard him say this too, that when he was a young man, he liked to dance. And he said he was, a, he said, now nah I was a good dancer. <laughs> and I can believe it. I can believe it, and because dancing is a flow. You know, you could say a digital versus analog. Analog is a flow. Digital is a, is, breaks life up into yeses and noes, either or. It's a flow. And when you think of a dancer digitally, one step at a time, you digi- it's, and that's how a bad dancer is. I put my left foot here and my right foot there, and, and it's awkward but a person who's in a flow with the music. And Swami was like that. And how we hold our posture, how we move our body, perhaps how we even speak maybe, how we we act in life. If we can think in terms of moving, acting, being, thinking in terms of a flow that is not motivated by likes and dislikes just acting because it's the right thing to do, and maintaining that center of self within the spine. That's, you might say, the critical part. Keeping that center of calmness. Actively calm, calmly active. And so whatever happens, it doesn't ruffle that, and you find you begin to be guided. On all levels, you might say physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, it begins to come into harmony in that way. So let us make that, you might say, when we're meditating again, going back to his advice, sit in that silence, that stillness, that calmness. Now, attained calmness, and then you can sit in it. And so sit in that calmness after meditation and let it feel. And then try when you get up from meditation, don't get up jerkily or you know automatically start doing something else. Get up and maintain that sense of feeling that we have in our meditation, in our, in our uh, sitting, in our asan. Get up and go about your day trying to, in your actions, bring those into daily life. And you'll see in the process of that, Yogananda says, the intuition begins to develop. And then test it. See, little ways first not big ways, little ways, and you'll begin to see that we begin to find that what we want in life is what God wants. And what God wants is what we want. We become in harmony, you could say. We live in a state of grace. God bless all of you.
1: Today Dawn now is breaking And the mountains say It's only light Can make the darkness run Lift up your head Greet the rising sun Mm -hmm. Greet the rising sun Some people feel in every stress, the trouble is that troubles never end, get rid of one, and you face its friend, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you face its friend. Sound. You'll hear but echoes in the world around. Wind on a hill sounds lonely if you're sad, free if you're free, cheerful if you're glad. Mm-hmm. Cheerful if you're glad. Friends, come with me. Chant of battles won, shots not of anger, joy will be our gone. Before the light, the veils of sorrow and in inner freedom, all delusions end. Mm, all delusions end. The flowers are all laughing to welcome the morning. Your soul is as free as the air. The flowers are all laughing to welcome the morning. Your soul is as free as the air. Leave home in the sunshine, dance through a meadow, or or sit by a stream and just be. The lilt of the water will gather your worries. And carry them down to the sea The lilt of the water will gather your worries And carry them down to the sea Men hunger for freedom but don't see the dungeon It's only the thought that they're bound Desires are their shackles, the hope that tomorrow The doorway to joy will be found signs of their shackles, the hope that tomorrow, the doorway to joy will be found. There's joy all around us, why wait till tomorrow, we've only this moment to live. A heaven within us is ours for the finding, a freedom no riches can give in us is ours for the finding of freedom no riches can give. There's joy in the heavens, a smile on the mountains, and melody sings everywhere. The flowers are all laughing to welcome the morning. The soul is as free as the air. The flowers are all laughing to welcome the morning. Your soul is as free as the air. The flowers are all laughing to welcome the morning. Your soul is as free as the air.